0: We're in Psalm 119 for a while, and uh, I don't know a little bit, maybe day two, three, who, who knows? And uh, but Psalm 19 is about what? The Word of God. That's what you should say there. 119. Psalm with this one, that the one that's up on the screen. Psalm 119. <laughs> Psalm 119. <laughs> yes. Psalm 100. Psalm 119 is really a psalm about the word of God. we're on our third week now. It's a bunch of little chunks of scripture and each one starts with the same letter. We don't see that in English, but if you read Hebrew, anyone read Hebrew? Okay, well it starts with the same letter and uh, you read it from right to left. And uh, so each one of those, so each chunk of eight verses, each would start with the same letter. And so it helped them memorize it. It's 176 verses long. Put that on a fridge magnet. (laughs) Right? And so so it's all about the word. You know how Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, is how to apply basically wisdom to our life in all these different areas? Psalms 119 is how the word of God interacts with our life. And so it's just, it's a long psalm about the word of, Of God and so I've had this slide each time I just I love it just your word Lord is eternal it stands firm in the heavens you are not going to change the Word of God nobody's excited about that you cannot you will not and you never will succeed at changing the Word of God he watches over his word and it's eternal and he's eternal If nothing else, he'll just outlast you. (laughs) (laughs) The word of God is eternal. And I take, I'll tell you what, you know, I'm 50 something, whatever years old now. And the older I get, the more comfort I get. Like, and I'm a, I'm kind of a technology guy. And a lot of you guys are like, whatever. You're just grumbly, whatever. I don't mind technology. It sure can be used for lots of evil things. But I kind of like some of the new stuff, and I kind of like, like not having outhouses. <laughs> you know, running water is fantastic. But you know, so I get it. There's pitfalls to all that stuff. I'm not arguing that point at all. There's evil out there. But as much as things change, and as much as people change, and as much as the world changes, I love that the eternality of the Word of God, it is fixed and it is firm, and I can always go back to the Word of God, and it's not changed. It's the same as it was yesterday. It'll be the same tomorrow. The Word of God is not changing. It's not changing. Don't, don't be waiting in your mailbox for the latest update that the Word of God has changed. It's not changing. You can take it to the bank, and, and it's not a committee that's watching over it. It's God himself is watching over his Word, it's the word of God, it's unyielding, it's, it's unforgiving in the sense of, of being attacked and whatever, like it's, it will not change. And the word of God reveals the heart of God. So last time, so the first time we just kind of gave an overview, last time we talked about the blessing of following the word of God. There's a blessing of following the word. How many wanna be blessed? Yeah. We read verse after verse after verse after verse last week of all the different blessings of just following the Word of God. When you follow the Word of God, you're not, like, there's a, there's a um, reciprocal blessing, there's a return blessing that comes in your life just by following the Word of God. God watches over that to bless you. I want to be blessed. So today we're going on to a different topic. Today we're talking about right and wrong. <sighs> How many love to be told that you're wrong? <laughs> oh, that's so fun, isn't it? Now that's talking more, typically when we're wrong. We're, it's, it's even worse sometimes to say that you're doing wrong. Now, if we're talking about like morally wrong, ethically wrong, like, like you shouldn't do that or you should, the oughts. If you were an apologetic uh, speaker, you'd talk about the oughts. You ought to do this and you ought not to do this. Well, why? So one of the things that we always talk about, we always talk about uh, when, not we, but when I'm having conversations about people and we're talking about, you know, maybe unbelievers or people even that are atheists, when you remove God from the equation, you're left with a bunch of oughts. You're, like, you should do this or we shouldn't do that. Like, how many think, let's, let's pretend for a second God doesn't exist, okay? It's just like, Okay, whatever, pretend that there is no God should we should we stab people in the neck? Why not? Why is it wrong? Remember God doesn't exist, so what why why should you not take your pocket knife and stab it in Jeff 's neck right there? right It's always it can't be always you because this is your first time here. This, Makes a mess on the floor, right? Said it's, mean. it's what's that? Said it's, mean. it's mean. Who cares? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. Okay, if you remove the in the the author of the ought, you're left with a conundrum, and and uh, naturalists will will f- get a little flustered with this one. Na- a naturalist is someone that believes that all there is 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 the natural world, you know, physicality, whatever. There's no spirit. There's no eternal whatever. There's no afterlife. There's no, none of that garbage. And uh, But when you get to the aughts, they get a little squirmy. And so one way they'll say is, well, well, we, we did, we've decided on this together as a society. I mean, not to pick the the worst example in history, the most obvious one, but... Anyone around in mid-last century in Germany? The whole society, they agreed on this together. So just agree, anyone uh, ever seen a band of ruffians, little hooligans at two in the morning, creeping around in the back alleys? They've decided and agreed on things together. They're probably not doing good things. They ought not to do that. And here's what I'm saying is, is when you get rid of God, you've, you've, lost, you've lost where the oughts come from. And so there's, a, there's, a, there's tons of books that have been written on it, and they all fall short of really describing why we should do something and shouldn't do something. So we get into this today, talking about right and wrong, and we've, we've made it to the third. I promise we are not going through this verse by verse. We are not. But we went through the first two. This is Psalm 119. Verses 1 says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, right? This is the blessings. Blessed blessed are those who keep his statutes. What are you doing today? Come on, don't do that. Be nice. Be be kind. You ought to work. Yes. (laughs) So talking about the blessing of these, of following the word, really? Don't do that. That's not nice. You ought to work because that's nice. Verse 3 says they, they do no wrong. Let's get, it, let's get it in. They do no wrong. They do no wrong, but they follow his way. Here's another verse. Psalm 119, verses 171 through 172. Let praise flow from my lips, for you have taught me your decrees. Let my tongue sing about your word. Everybody say Word. That's what Psalm 119 is talking about, the word of God. So let my tongue sing about your word, for all your commands, or the word of God, are right. So wrong and right. Oh, let's go one more verse in uh, Psalm 119 here. It's here somewhere, I promise. Psalm 119, verse 128, says... Says... Because I consider all your precepts right... I hate every wrong path. So the question for today, how do I know what is right and wrong? How do I know what is right and what is wrong? Any thoughts on that? How do I know what is right? Yeah. We, we, we've led youth group. We have not now for, what, a year, year and a half or so? How long has it been? Three years? But we did for 20, whatever, 20 some years, lots of years. and we thought we did a pretty good job. a lot of times. sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> once in a while, <laughs> no. You're a more I guess. Well, we've been out of it for years now, so we can look back, like, man, we really did a good job. And I posed this question one time in youth group. How do we know the difference between right and wrong? And let's just say when we went home that night We did not feel like we had done such a good job in teaching youth group. And we were in the Bible every single week. Like we've, you know, maybe once out of a year, you'd just have a fun night or whatever. like, we're in the word of God and we're digging into it. And this is all stuff that we've taught before. And we had all kinds of answers. How do you know if something's wrong or something's right? Well, you just feel it. Well, there's, you can make a case for that, conscience, you know, that's the Holy Spirit, you know, nudging your heart and convicting you when you're doing wrong, right? Anyone ever felt bad about doing something before? Yeah. Okay, you, like, the rest of you guys, you need a conscience, <laughs> okay, like, that's the problem, like, Jody, I think we found the problem here. <laughs> People without consciences, and so we got to, and then... They're like, well, you're friends, you know, and we just went through answer after answer after answer, and I'm like, trying to nudge them, like, okay, but what about, is there any other way we could find out the difference? Nope. Nobody came up with it. And it was years ago. I mean, it was like, they're all old and married and have their own kids and whatever now, but I just, I couldn't believe, how did we, how did we miss this? How did we miss the one way that you know the difference between right and wrong, I'm going to try this one more time. How did we not connect those dots, but somehow we did. Somehow that wasn't connected. That should be like the number one thing is the answer is we go to the word of God. The word of God is going to tell us what is right and what is wrong. Oh, I was going to put the slide up there, but it's not here anymore. So basically the next slide just says God gets to decide. So that is... That's the crux of the message today. The heart of the message today, if you want to walk out of here with one point, is this. God gets to decide what is right and what is wrong. His job, what he gets to do, he gets to say, this is right and this is wrong. Well, how do we know that? How do we know what is right and what is wrong? Well, he's revealed it to us in his word. What are some ways that, that... society or people decide, how do, how do they come to the conclusion? Because nobody wants to be wrong. We all, we all want to kind of take the moral high ground and say that I'm right and you're wrong. How do we decide that? Is there a committee? If you're not using the word of God, how do we reach that conclusion? How do we get to the aughts? How do people that are not following God, or maybe not fully following God, how do they reach the conclusion of what is right and what is wrong? And so the first one that I wrote down was culture and social media. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot under, see, now I just preach louder because there's no slide to point to. I'll just get fired up. And so, Brian's like, yeah, do that. You cannot, church, listen, church, listen to me, you cannot underestimate the sway and the pull, I'm going to spit and everything, the sway and the pull that culture and social media have on your thinking and your reasoning and your understanding. You think that it doesn't, but Jerry, it does, it does. If you are, and you don't even have to be on social media. Like, you, like We're all in the culture. We all live in this world. And the more things shift and swirl and change, the more we get pulled. And it's, I said it last time. If you're not coming back to dead center every time, you're getting pulled more and more each time. And you feel like you're standing strong. Well, I'm, I'm way different than there. But you're according to what? According to the word of God, how are you? Are you lined up there? We've kind of went through this a couple times already in the last two weeks, but culture and social media, people look to that to find out, well, what is everybody saying? Because I don't want to be the odd man out, right? I don't want to get canceled. I don't want to write. I don't want to get yelled at, right? The number of times that I start typing something (laughs) and go, gosh, I just don't know if I'm ready for a firestorm today. So then I just delete and I'm just like, I'm going to have an in-person conversation because that I feel like we can actually make some traction with. But the amount of sway that that has in our life and the second thing I wrote down, which is part of the first thing, but I gave it its own line because it's so powerful. The second thing I wrote down is media, music and movies. Media, music, and movies shape your view of the world way more. When you're on a Friday night with your wife or your buddies or whatever, and you're watching a movie or you're listening to tunes, what is coming into your head and into your heart is shaping you more than you think. And I'm not saying, man, you got to be you know, like a, like a nun or something and like, not ever see a TV or whatever. But I'm, just, I'm saying you have to be aware of how it's affecting you. Come on. You've got to be aware of how much that's changing how you think. Because it really is. And I've said this before, Marnie and I, the number of conversations that we've had with people, and I'm not trying to pick on it. If, if you've said this to us, I don't remember who you are. So I'm not picking on you. But the number of people that have given us solid theological points, and that's in quotes, because they saw it in a movie. Sure. And they don't... like. It does it like the bridge between reality and a movie has blurred. Yeah. And we start seeing the world and we start like we don't mean to. Nobody goes and, and grabs their popcorn and sits down on their couch with their soda and is like, all right, I'm watching, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and something like I want to find out what's really going on in the world. <laughs> right? That's bizarre. It's entertainment. And we watch it as entertainment, but our brains don't always process it as entertainment. Yeah. And we find that again and again and again and again, people tell us how the end times is going to work, how demons work, how spirituality works, how witchcraft works, how this works because they saw it in a movie. Well, there might be some parallels. Maybe but let's let's talk about the Word of God and let's talk about. Well, I just, I know if you're good, you do this and what like wait a minute, what, how did you come up with that? Well, it's in a movie, and it, and it doesn't. To them, it's just as much reality as saying we found it in the Word of God. And I, I'm, like, it, just, it makes my heart cringe. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm just saying, how much does it affect me that I'm not really realizing? Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever said this? Just, it just popped in my head. Have you guys ever said this? Did that really happen, or did I dream that? Mm-hmm. As you get older, it happens more often. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> or did you really say that? Yes, if you're married, yes. There's certain frequencies that just don't don't tune in anymore. As you could tell as my wife and I are having choice words with one another at ten o'clock at night. I don't think you said it. <laughs> I didn't hear it. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm innocent. I didn't hear it. Curtis, I just—I don't think she said it. (laughs) Husbands, just be quiet. Just don't say anything. You get in trouble. Don't get. Don't let yourself get in trouble for something I did. (laughs) And if that happens, you know, did I did that really happen or did I dream that? If that really happens in our mind, like that happens all the time, as our brains are processing these things, the input that we're putting into them, it gets it gets converted sometimes into reality, and we start thinking that things are real. When we've heard them in a song, we've seen them in a movie, on some other kind of media, TV shows, like that's how the world really works. It's not. Another way that people decide right and wrong is their friends and their peers. It's hard for you to take a hard line on what the Word of God says when all of your friends are saying something different. So you gotta be careful. You've got to be careful who you open up your heart to and who you connect with because they'll pull your heart in one direction or another and they'll start shaping how you think. Your family, your family will often teach you things and and pour values into you and we hope in a great way, but sometimes you can pull out things that are right and wrong from your family that are contrary to the word of God. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard because so much of it is well-meaning. They don't mean to steer you astray. And then the last one, you guys are going to love this one. The last way that people decide what's right and wrong is their feelings and emotions. Ooh, this can't be right or this can't be wrong because I feel so good about it. What is that old song? If loving you is wrong... I don't want to be right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> you related to my wife. Hey, it's genetic. It's genetic. <laughs> or maybe just something in your guys' DNA when I say it, it gets translated wrong. I don't know why you said it. Oh, okay, well, either way, either way it's genetic. I'm blaming the DNA. God decides what's right and wrong. And we get to to learn it by his word that's revealed to us. Psalm 119, one one more verse out of Psalm 119. Those who pursue evil plans come near, evil, they are far from your instruction. Those who pursue evil plans are far from your instruction. So your instruction would be the opposite of evil then, right? And obviously, we see that throughout the Word of God, over and over and over again. His ways are right; his his plans are good. Judges seventeen six says this: In those days Israel had no king. You guys know this verse. Again, this is this is like a Sunday school lesson. Okay, you guys, everything I'm preaching to you today, you heard when you were in in Sunday school. You learned when you were five. This is a simple message, but it could not be more relevant for our time today. It could not be more tangible for America right now than this. And Judges 17.6 says, In those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. When you remove the ought, when you remove the maker of the ought, when you set aside that, now we do what's right according to me, myself, and I, or according to me and my friends, or according to me and the rest of social media. Right? We did what was ever, whatever was right in our own eyes. And that's the thing. We all want to be right. We all want to be right. But there's only one way to be right, and that's to be aligned with the word of God. What did Jesus have to say about it? I wish you could see this on the screen because it's really cool. You'll have to look it up in your Bibles, and it's in Mark chapter 7. And Jesus is talking with the Pharisees, and he's having a conversation. And uh, it's not going well. I mean, it's going well for Jesus, but, you know, they're not... They're frustrated and whatever. And Jesus gives them this sharp, sharp rebuke. Now, this was written to Pharisees, but I'm saying that there's an overlap that these verses apply to our lives today as well. Hopefully not our lives in here, but hopefully you understand that we're following the commandments of God, and I I pray that that's what's stirring in your heart today. But Jesus said this, you've let go of the commands of God, and you're holding on to human traditions. And he didn't stop there. He continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. One, one different version, of the NLT says, uh, sorry, chapter seven, verses eight and nine. And in the NLT version, he says, uh, you ignore God's law and you substitute your own tradition. And I love this, this part. He says, you, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. You skillfully sidestep God's law. You sidestep the Word of God. And in America today, if you're not blatantly walking away from the Word of God, if you, if you just, you know, large groups of people believe that it's just not even relevant, but even, even some well-meaning people, well, it could, the Word of God can't really mean that, and they sidestep the Word of God for their tradition. And what's a tradition? This is what we do, right? This is, it gives me good feelings and nostalgia because this is what we do, right? And I know that was written to the Pharisees, but I feel like it's written to America today. Come on, America, you've sidestepped the word of God for your own tradition, what your group wants to do, what you want to be important. This is how we act, this is what we celebrate. You've sidestepped the word of God in order to do that. You can't come headlong into the word of God and continue to do that. So you've sidestepped the word of God. And so, one of, the, one of the ways that we find out what's, what's good or evil, right, if you're not looking at the Word of God, is we trust our own emotions and our feelings. And I'm going to tell you why Jesus is saying that's a bad idea. So we're in uh, Mark chapter 7 still, and if you've got your Bibles, you might want to follow along on this one. We're in verse 21 through 23, and this is one of those lists. Every once in a while, you find a list in the Bible that you just wish you wouldn't have found but it's healthy for us. And the word of God is for our blessing. Say blessing. Blessing. We cringe when we read some of these things, but remember, the word of God is to bless, it protects us, steers us away from this nonsense that seems so right to me in the moment. And so Jesus is talking and he said in verse 21, for from within, out of people's hearts come. So out of whose hearts? People's hearts. Who's a people? Okay, we're all people here. The us's, right? This is every heart known to man. Contains these kind of things. Evil thoughts. What? That's why Jesus said it's so important that you get a new heart and a new spirit. You need a new heart. Because the old one contains things like this. Evil thoughts. Think of it this. Think of it this way. It's, it's taking the God-given prophetic ability for you to dream and create in your mind and using that for evil intentions you're using your mind as a scheming drawing board for evil things yuck pastor i don't like it when you put it like that (laughs) it's what we're doing and jesus is saying that's in you it's in you and it's in you and it's no well not jenny she's about perfect but it's in the rest of us Right? And that's why, listen, that's why we can't trust the stuff inside of us. That's why we have to have something outside of us to tell us right and wrong. Listen to me. It's so important that we have something outside of us because you'll be convinced and you'll pass every lie detector test. I feel this is so right. It has to be. You've got good arguments and you just feel it's right. You've got to take the word of God, which cuts through that like a knife through hot butter, and says, I don't really care how you feel, and that seems more real than the word of God in this moment, but the word of God says this, and it slices through that, because in my heart is evil thoughts. I don't want evil thoughts there, but they live there. It's in my DNA. So I'm a product of the first Adam, but bless God, I'm a product of the second Adam as well. Right? That's Jesus, if you're unfamiliar with is that Romans? The second thing he says, what's in your heart and in my heart? Sexual immoralities. Well, I don't know if we should talk about that. That's in our hearts. Well, what's that? It's any kind of sexual activity that does not include one biological man and one biological woman in the confines of marriage. That's in our heart. These immoral to do things that are that we're we're drawn to that. That's every other, I mean, we don't need to list them all, but, I, I mean, sex with kids, sex with animals, sex with guys and for guys, like, like any kind of perversion, because as soon as you list them all, they've created another one, because that's not satisfied, it's not satiated. So there has to be more. Thefts, murders are in our heart. Jesus said, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've, you've committed murder. Huh ouch. But those are in our heart. That's what lives inside of us. I, I mean, are you feeling encouraged today? Bless the Lord. <laughs> right? You're leaving here uh, excited. Adulteries, just in case the sexual immoralities didn't cover it all. Yeah, don't be sleeping with someone else's wife or husband. Greed, evil actions, deceit, Anyone ever tried to trick someone And for your benefit? Come on. There's deceit that lives in there. There's evil actions in there. There's greed in there. Self-indulgence. You want what you want and you want more of it and you're going to give yourself fully to something, at, often at the expense of your own betterment or the betterment of others. Just indulge in whatever I want to indulge in. Envy. Slander. Tearing down the character of someone else with my words as weapons. Huh, yuck. Pride. And the last one, foolishness. That's in our hearts. Jesus, like, everyone's like, you know what? I don't like you hateful Christians. Why can't you be like Jesus? Jesus was good. Jesus is the one who said all this stuff. Your happy, lovey Jesus that is just all beautiful and whatever He's the one that said these things. Jesus is the one that said, this kind of ugliness lives in my heart and in your heart. That's why I can't trust me to decide right and wrong. How many have ever done anything in your life that should get a good response? Because you're going to talk good about yourself. How many have you ever done anything in your life that you felt you had good intentions with? okay. You helped someone out, you you know, just you did. You went to work early, I don't know, you did something. We're talking about your entire life. That's a broad spectrum to pick from, <laughs> okay? <laughs> a lot of material there. You've done anything with good intentions, right? We often do stuff with good intentions, and we know that and we feel that, and so then we kind of migrate our good intentions to the rest of what we're feeling. But you know what's in there? Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, foolishness—that's all in there too. And that's why we need something outside of ourselves to say, "This is the standard. This is how we walk. This is the way we deal with things." And it's—it's it's a struggle. And the very end of that, verse 23 says, "All of these evil things—say evil things—all of these evil things come from within." That's why I cannot trust what I feel or who I am. That's why the most disastrous thing we can do in America is celebrate identities. I feel this way. Well, you know what's inside there? Oh, that's a crap pile that's inside my heart. I don't have a screen, so I can say crap pile today. (laughs) It's a pile of feces, and Jesus tells me that. He tells me that that's what's going on inside of my heart. That's why I can't trust everything I feel. That's why I've gotta have something that is outside of me that sets the standard, and I can judge what I'm feeling based on The Word of God. Now, do you remember all the other categories, all the other ways that we try to decide right and wrong? If you're not going to the Word of God, or you're not consistently going to the Word of God, it's really easy to get swayed by social media, by the culture, by movies, by TV, by commercials, by your friends, by even your family, right? It's easy to get swayed. What does the Word of God say? Because that's the only thing that matters in eternity, eternity, because the Word of God is eternal. It's forever and ever and ever and ever. And we have to line our lives up by the word of God if we want to live in the blessing of God and not live in sin, we've got to line it up by that. And so we judge everything by that. His word is right. Our ways are wrong. His word is right. Say that, his word is right. And so it gets weird sometimes. It gets weird when there's such a push from culture so I'm just going along living my happy life, right? I'm just, I'm doing my thing. I'm reading the word of God. You know, I know what God says. And all of a sudden, you know, this month they're they're telling me I've got to celebrate pride, right? I've got to have rainbows and I've got to do it. Like all of a sudden I've got all of this pressure that I'm supposed to do that. Like I didn't ask for that. But I look at the word of God and what is the word of God? It says sexual immorality. It says, like, it's very clear that that's not in alignment with the word of God. So I, I can't celebrate that. But then all of a sudden that I hear that, well, then I hate people. But now remember, how did all this start? I'm just walking along. <laughs> I, I'm not hating people. I'm not trying to be evil. I'm not doing, right? And I'm just, I'm trying to follow the word of God. And there's all of this pushback from culture that I'm supposed to do something, supposed to believe something. I'm supposed to agree with something. And I have to keep coming back to the one thing that's eternal, the word of God. It is established in the heaven, it's the rock. And I just go, so, I'm just gonna tell you a story. And some of you have heard this story before. I don't think I've ever shared it on a Sunday morning. If I have, you're gonna hear it again. Because it's not the last time I'm gonna tell this story. It's so good. A friend of ours came in, used to go to church here, doesn't go, go to church here anymore. A friend of ours came in and, uh, and uh, they said, can I meet with you and Marnie? It was desperate. Gotta meet with, with you guys. And so Pastor Fearing was still alive. And uh, so we go in the office and we meet, we sit down, and we have this conversation. And they said, I got something I got to talk to you about. I'm like, we, we got that from the desperation in your voice. <laughs> I said, well, What's going on? I was, at, and they had come for a little while. I, I was at some event or whatever and heard, you know, heard pastors preaching and said something about homosexuality and whatever and whatever. And like, I just was like, What? What? And some somehow they kind of maybe missed that along the way or whatever, you know, zoned out. If we were ever talking about it some other time, and and so they said this: "I get it with him; he's old." That was their comment. He's from that old generation, but I need to know if you guys believe that. I said, "Well, let me answer a really hard question with a hard answer." I said, "I can tell you what I want to believe." And I don't want to make any waves. I don't want to make anybody sad. I don't want to say anybody's wrong in doing anything. But that, that we don't really have that luxury. So I said, let me tell you how we approach this. We don't hate people. We, we, we just, we start, here's what I said. We start with the word of God. And then everything else goes out from that. So if the word of God, it, so, so we just, we went through some of the verses, We're like, you know, If the Bible says it's wrong, I don't really have a whole lot of others. Like I can have, I have my personal feelings about that, but I can't change the word of God. Here here was a couple comments that really stuck with me. One of their comments was, and this is not my comment. This is their comment. I'm just, just uh, listen to me. I'm repeating what they said. They leaned in and they said, you and Marnie and this church are the most loving people I have ever met in my life. I said, gosh, that's high praise. Like, thank you. They said, how can you be hateful like that? Said, we're not being hateful. Like, and they weren't upset, they weren't angry at all. They were just trying to understand. I said, we have to start with the word of God. And they're like, we've watched you love people over and over and over again. I said, and we still do, and they said, well, We've got, I've got friends that are, that are, you know, what if, what if, because they need to be here and they're struggling and they need to be in this place. Can they come here? And I said, well, sure. Or are you going to just attack them right away and preach to them? I said, no. But if I said, if that's in my text for the day, I'm not going to change it. And they said, no, that's great. And so we ended up having a good conversation. But the second thing that really struck me is as I kept going back to the word of God, listen to this today, if you're sleeping, wake up and listen to this. The second thing that they said that was so striking to me was, well, the way that I see it is the word of God, like, like it's an old book that is kind of helpful for us, but we kind of just figure things out as we go now. And like, that's the difference. Say, that's the difference. That's the difference. I don't have the luxury as a Christ follower because he's given us his word, and he's honored above anything else, his name and his word. And so we've got this revealed word of God, and what God said is good is good, and what God said is bad is bad. See, the same verse that says that any kind of sexuality outside of one biological man and one biological woman in marriage is sexually immorality, that same word of God says that I need to love my neighbor. Doesn't say which neighbor. That says love your neighbor. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Walk humbly. So I can hold those two things in tension because the word of God says what's right and it says what's wrong. So I've got to walk in love and serve people that even are trying to get, Right? I can't agree with things that are against the Word of God, but I still have to fulfill the Word of God in the rest of my life. I still have to walk in love and walk in humility and and rejoice. Where, you know, like it's a it's a it's a tough balance, is what I'm trying to say. God decides what's right and wrong. Let's just finish up with this. Um, I was going to take you through Hebrews just a little bit. You guys know that. You know, There's a couple different play, one in Corinthians, one in Hebrews, where it talks about, you know, you, sh- you should be teachers by now, but you still need milk. You, you know, you should have solid food. And I, we usually use those verses for talking about spiritual growth. We're, we're winding down. I know we had projector mishaps, but we're bringing the, landing this plane. And it, I just I find it really interesting, and this is Hebrews chapter 5, if you want to write it down or look at it later. It, someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know, listen to this, doesn't know how to do what is right. And if you're not familiar with the milk and the meat and all that, it's talking about the Word of God. So if you're living on milk, you can only handle just little little bits of the Word of God, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just don't stay there. Like when you come to Christ, you're a baby, right? You, you're, you're growing. But we don't want to, like 20 years from now, we don't want to still be, you know, having a bottle. We want to be able to chew Harder food, and what I've shared with some some of you guys today is harder food. Like that, we're chewing through some meat of the Word of God, and so that's what it's saying. And talking about solid food, it says. So the next verse, it says, solid food is for those who are mature, and through training, through training, say training, training. through training, training. You go into training for a new job. You go into training when you're going into football. You go into training like you learn the skills. You learn that you condition yourself. So through training. They have the skill, it says in verse 14, to recognize the difference between right and wrong. How do you recognize the difference between right and wrong? Hebrews chapter five says, through training with the word of God, you've learned to recognize. That's the problem. It's not easy to recognize sometimes because of what's in my own heart and how I feel about things. It's not easy to recognize right and wrong through training. Last verse for today. Follow along on the screen. Psalm 119 verse 144 says this, Your laws are always right. Help me to understand them that I might live. It's starting with that. As I'm ending, I'm saying we're starting, we're starting with the premise that the word of God is always right. I may not always understand it. I may not always get it, but the word of God is always right. Man, I don't like it sometimes. And and God knows that because he sees my heart. But I don't get the luxury to change it. I can grumble about it and he'll tell me to shut up and he's got every right to do that. But he loves me. And sometimes he's just like, come on, man, you can do better than this. I'm like, okay, thank you, Jesus. And he pours his spirit into us. He gives us revelation and he helps us to understand the word of God. He, like today, sets us free, lets us walk forward. And then through training, helps me to use the word of God to see what's right and wrong. Your laws are always right. Help me to understand them, that I might live. Okay, we made it through that hard stuff, and no projector, and uh, despite all of that, we arrived at the end place intact. And while well, most of us are still happy, <laughs> Grace, it's it's over now. I know. Is that what you're excited about? Excited? It's finally done. I get it. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the beauty of your word. Lord, it makes us uncomfortable. It's hard to hear. It attacks our flesh, but that's exactly what it's for. It's to point us to absolute truth. Lord, you are the originator of right and wrong. Help us to follow your ways, and you've revealed it to us in your word. I just pray that you'd give this church just a hunger for your word and for the things of God, and I pray that you'd fulfill that in our lives. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen.